For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. On today's edition of Blue Collar Elk Hunting, you're about to hear an audio edition show recorded at the International Sportsman's Expo in Denver with my friend Tom Diesling. Y'all, between Tom and myself, you're looking at over 80 years of elk hunting experience. Tom is a call manufacturer, he's an instructor, professional elk caller, and the man is a killer in the elk woods. And if you look at how he's passed down his skill set to his son and daughter, you'll know exactly why they have become world champions themselves. So y'all, pull up a chair, adjust your volume just right, and welcome to a special edition of Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by AllGrows.com, with your host and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillette. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Welcome everybody to a special edition of Blue Collar Elk Hunting. <laughs> I'm here at the International Sportsman Show in Denver, and here's a great opportunity to talk about all things elk because with me sitting right across the table, and this is just going to be an audio experience, and you're going to hear some noise in the background because we've got tons of people walking around out here. We do. Uh, and with me today is a legend. A good friend, uh, somebody that is in the industry that has come into the industry, and he can tell his own story, but this is a, a, a guy that has done things with elk calls on whether it's competing, whether it's in the woods, whether it's manufacturing or selling. This is the man that has done it all, and I'm proud to call my friend, Mr. Tom Diesling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joe, good to finally catch up. I'm glad you're here in Denver. Yeah, you know, that that's the that's the cool part, man, is that, you know, I, let's see, we've been doing this podcast now. We're getting ready to go on four years. Like, yeah. we ju I think we just hit season four. Awesome. Season four or five right now. And um, Denver has been, they've, they've always battled back and forth with Dallas to be our, our top listening city. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they have been i mean they for the last two years denver's been the top listening city so to actually be here yeah yeah that's 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 pretty cool for us man you know your booth looks great here everything everything's going good for you 
today? Yeah, yeah. The weekend? booth has been great. You know, it, it's funny because everybody always comes in and they're like, oh, you know, what do you guys do? You know, what are you selling? Even though you can see the calls. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, what do you do? And it's funny because when we tell them that we're elk hunting coaches, nobody's ever heard that before. Right, right. You're selling success, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's so funny because just when you came in here a little while ago, we had two guys in the booth over here that was looking at some of the stuff, and they were talking about hunting. And the guy was talking about how when he was packing out elk, you know, he had to worry about losing his balance and falling and everything like that. And I was like, well, do you use sticks? And uh, he's like, I never thought of using sticks. I said, let me show you something. Because down here on the corner, these gentlemen down on the corner, yeah. They have, I walked by and they had some carbon hiking sticks. Dude, it's like picking up feathers, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and it changed. It's a game changer. Absolutely. But they're selling them for 50 bucks. Wow. That's so a great deal. I was like, guys, I'm going to take you away from my booth and let's go over here. And they're like, really? You're taking away from your <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like. I want you to be successful, and I don't want you to die on the hill. Right, so. right. And I'll tell you that, you know, those walking sticks, man, they take like 30, 40 pounds off your knees. I oh. mean, just using them. It's incredible. I, I couldn't hunt without them anymore. I mean, yeah. I, I got to have them. Yeah. You know, and it's, and really, I've never really used them before because I'm always a day pack kind of guy. Uh-huh. Um, and then generally, the crew, we pretty much take elk out together. But I, that's been the last about four or five years that we've done that and before that about 30 elk on my back oh yeah you know all that time and yep. never use sticks so yeah <laughs> yeah i use one when i'm hiking just hiking around and then i pull the second one out when i gotta pack something out so oh really yeah yeah no <laughs> see see so that's why i said you're the legend but you know there's some people more intelligent than me <laughs> well if i didn't have to use it i wouldn't for sure <laughs> but my 60th birthday is coming up i got one i, ha I had knee replacement and stuff so which birthday's coming up uh 60 60 yeah i know dude. you're a lot younger than me dude right? i got you by two years bro <laughs> oh. you know our our um this whole hunting communities getting a little older and older it is it? isn't it yeah it is yeah. we need to get some of these youngsters out here yeah absolutely yeah yeah give us a little bit of your experience factor as far as let's not talk hunting now let's just talk calling competitions between you and your son thomas oh yeah so uh thomas really thomas and i never had to compete for years like thomas started calling competitions when he was 10 so I was in the adult division then at nationals. And so Thomas was already winning. He won the peewee division at 10. Then he went into the youth division at nationals. And he won that like three or four times until he, until he hit puberty. Right. And then he couldn't call with his voice anymore. So then we got him oh, calling so, on a reed. So, so yeah. all of that was without a reed. That right? was without a reed. Yeah. yeah. Then he started calling on a reed and he ended up winning the men's division twice. So then he finally, like, I think about five years ago, he popped into the pro division with me. So we've never had, when we've drawn numbers, we've never gone head-to-head -head yet. Oh, really? So on stage. So, oh, my goodness. And either I lose or he loses, and then one of us, you know, goes through the end. I mean, the, in 2018, he lost to Corey Jacobson, but he drew him in the first round of the final 16. 
right. Sweet 16. Yeah. So he lost just barely, just three to four, I think, with the judge, judges. And then that year, I, I got Corey in the final. So we were in the final in 2018, and Corey beat me five to two, I think, the five judges to two. So that was the closest I ever came to win in the pro division. That finals was in 2018. You know, okay, so I know Corey. Yeah. And yep. what, a, what a great person. Yeah. Right? Oh, of course, yeah. He's yeah. a great guy. And uh, he's he's been doing it forever. Yep, yep. Uh, and, and just like Thomas, cut his teeth because of his dad and yeah, everything like yeah. that. So, you know, man, to, to be in the championship round with Corey, and, and, and we know how everything comes down to judging oh, and, yeah. and stuff yep, like that. Yep. But, you know, for both of you guys to – and or Thomas and Corey or and Thomas yeah. has won it as well. Thomas Thomas uh, and I used to also go travel around with this show and it it, it was awesome. I mean the ISE shows had uh, the best of the West elk, elk calling contest, uh -huh. so they'd have them at every show and then the championships were in Salt Lake and Thomas and I won that multiple times. You know, as father son, oh, wow. he would win the youth division. I win the adult division. You know, so uh -huh. it was fun for years. And then uh, my daughter Jessie also calls, so she's won the women's division twice at nationals. And one year, all of it came together at the best of the West contest, and I won the adult division. Thomas won the youth division, and my daughter won the women's division. Oh, so I'll... we had a clean sweep that year. <laughs> okay, so after that, was it McDonald's after that, or? <laughs> yeah, you know what we went. You know where we went? We went to the melting pot. And I had no idea how expensive that was, man. We were like, going, oh, my God. And we were there for, like, three hours because it takes, like, three hours to eat at the melting pot. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Because they bring all these different things. Yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah. No, what a cool experience. But, yeah, it was a heck of a celebration because, all right, so when you guys did that, how old were they when you guys did that? I would say they were teenagers probably then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So it wasn't like, let's go drink. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 not not now. Now it is. But. <laughs> now it is. <laughs> the year I, in 2018, my daughter won, took second in the women's division, and then I was second in the, in the pro division. And then Thomas, of course, drew Corey early, so that was that was tough. But <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, it, it's kind of like, all right, Everybody knows I'm a coach. I, I oh, coach yeah. elk hunting, right? But I also, I mean, I coach sports for 34 years, football, sure. basketball, cross country, and track and field. And um, one thing was when I coached basketball, we go to a state tournament, loved having the best one in the first round because you win that first game. Yeah. And what kind of know, confidence does that build? And yeah, for the rest of the tournament, man. you know? Yeah. And I mean, really, you know, nobody's got a chance to look at each other at that point and it's just get after it and see what happens. So, oh, yeah. no, I mean, you know, I think it, it'd be great to, to draw Corey in the first round and poor Corey, man, Every, you know, he, he's got a target on his back he does. and yeah, you know, and so, you know, he's taken his lumps the last couple of years too, with uh, Bo Brooks coming up and, and uh, Bo, you know, we've known him for years too. And Thomas drew Bo last year, I think it was or last year or the year before, Thomas drew Bo and barely lost. It was four to three, you know. Wow. And then Bo went on to beat Corey in the final. So uh, Thomas is up there. And, you know, what I found is Thomas, he's he's the kind of son that you want, you know, the kind that follows in your footsteps, wants to hunt and fish, do everything that dad wants to do. Yeah. 
but he's doing everything that I did only better. You know, he's just better at everything. So and, and how proud does that make you? <laughs> I know you? it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. But sometimes it's hard to take too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but it is awesome. And now he's doing everything for me that I did for him. You know, so. Right. You know, he takes care of me when we're up in the woods. He's putting me out front and calling for me, you know. That's so the payoff. he's getting me across rivers instead of me carrying him on his shoulders. <laughs> wow. So, you know, it, it's just awesome having a son like that and just being able to share that with, with him and, and my daughter, too. You know, you know I, I've actually – so I was the opposite as a dad. I had two daughters. Um, both of them shot the bow. Oh, my oldest daughter, Brittany, was an exceptional shot with a with a rifle, and she's taken elk with a rifle. So we've gotten to hunt together when she hit like high school and stuff right. like that. But I was way too selfish with my hunting time um, when they were younger, and and that's the one thing that I kick myself in the sure. butt about, you know, and. Uh, and and I and I tell parents now. I said if I had to do it all over again, like I have two granddaughters now. Right. I guarantee you every opportunity I have, and I don't know how many of those will be, but every opportunity I have, man, I'm taking them in the woods yeah. with me. And and you know, I think it's that youth, that age, that intensity, that drive, that competitiveness. Because I was so driven to get animals, and I had such limited time in the woods. Sure. But there's my excuses right there, right? But I, I tell people, man, just like what you said, is that it comes back around. Right. You know? It does. Yeah. And it's just, it's some of the best memories I'm ever going to make, you yeah. know, in the outdoors. I and mean, that they're going just, to have. Oh, yeah, for you know? sure. You know, we, the last two, well, I'd say the last four years, really, you know, you, you kind of follow us around and, yeah. and stuff on the internet and stuff, but. You know, we've been blessed to draw some just awesome. Oh, you've had tags some incredible in Colorado, draws and tags. You know? <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, there was a lot of tears on those hunts. You know, Thomas dropped that big bull moose, man. And I was trying to do the interview, and I got all choked up. Started yeah. like I couldn't even put a sentence together. You know, it just means so much to me and so much to him to share that experience together. You know, How? and then I I was able to shoot that sheep two years ago, and same thing. Yeah. Thomas was like, you know, on his phone filming. He's like, what just happened? And I'm like, I started to talk. And then all of a sudden, all the emotion just of waiting 23 years for a tag. And then having my son right next to me when I shot the sheep and sharing it, having him roll down the hill past us. I mean, it was like, I, I can't even put it into words what it meant. I mean, it was awesome. How special is that i mean and and there's even more backstory because in one of those hunts you had had covid and it knocked the crap out of you. i mean it was a legit scare yeah yeah that was in 2020 and i had covid uh, really bad went to the hospital i didn't end up on any ventilators or anything but you know it, i was like ground zero man you know we were watching the news and it was all doom and gloom and you know I was I was out of commission for about 30 days, but mm -hmm. that one didn't affect my hunting too much. But when I drew that sheep tag, you know, uh, I waited so long, and I was turkey hunting, and I fell after I drew the tag, tore surgery, my rotator right? cuff. And, mm -hmm. But I wasn't about to turn that tag back in, so mm -hmm. I ended up getting an ADA permit, and I shot my ram with a crossbow. Mm-hmm. 
which a lot of people say, oh, that takes away from it. But I'm so proud of that because I don't think anybody else has ever shot a sheep with a crossbow in Colorado. I was looking at all the records, and there's no record of a crossbow sheep kill. Yeah, but so I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, and and for people to steal that thunder that don't have the backstory and what you went through, right? Because I remember seeing it, man, and knowing the pain that you were oh, in. Oh yeah, I couldn't and, pull a bow back. I mean, I was trying like a madman, and you know, when my doctor told me, well, it's about ten percent a month is what you can expect to heal. Right. I did the math, and I was like. That's not going to happen. And that's at 58 years old, yeah. right? and I just you know? bought an RX-5, a brand new RX-5. I hadn't even shot it yet. <laughs> so then I had to go tell my wife, honey, I got to go out and buy a re uh, crossbow now. I don't even know how to use it, but I got to go buy one. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right. So so the wife is, you got to? Yeah. That was a good excuse, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm going with Thomas. It's our son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's smart there, guy. That's smart. But, you know, it, it, all joking aside, I mean, all the PT you were going – because still, you're taking a crossbow. I don't know if anybody's ever carried a crossbow, oh, but it's not a light piece of fun. equipment, and it's not easy to carry. No, not at all. You know? Not an easy thing to hike around with you. Yeah. So it's not like that was a gimme right there. You put right. a lot of work in. And how was the shoulder feeling at that time, even carrying the crossbow? You know, it wasn't too bad um, at that point. It, it was, I think I was about six months into this, after the surgery, post-surgery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I still had weight limitations and stuff like that. So I tried to carry everything with my opposite arm and just, you know, I had shooting sticks with me to, for the moment, you know, and right. everything. and. Um, it, it was a perfect opportunity. We got out in front of a sheep and we saw which direction they were moving and kind of set up in front of them. And the ram I had scouted all summer, I, God, God, all the, all the stars aligned and that ram just stepped right out in front of me. And there was two, there was two rams on my hit list. And the first one stepped out in front of me. And I was, I was aiming at him and a U stepped right in front of him at right at the, as I was ready to squeeze the trigger. So I had to wait and then they saw me and they bolted. And then the one I called crooked horn, um, who had the most mass and everything, he stepped out next. And by then I was dialed in. So I right, just, right. Yeah. I squeezed the trigger and man, he dropped right down and just started rolling towards us. Yeah. Uh, and we, I was like, then I panicked. I was trying to reload the crossbow and I, you know, I lost everything. Cause I, <laughs> I don't know hardly anything about crossbows. I'm trying to get the arrow out of there, you know, and not that it mattered. Cause by the time he went past us, he was expired, but yeah. I was like, Oh God, that, that was just such a great experience though. You know, and we always see it like on our side, um, you know, what a great experience memory for us. Right. Sure. You know, that, that for you. Right. Yeah. But, we don't realize for our kids and our kids' kids the memories that they get to have of us because none of us are getting out of this thing alive, bro. No, so. we aren't. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and, You're absolutely right. And it's so cool to be able to have those types of things that they get to have with them and share and stuff. So yeah, uh, really, really awesome on that. So I, I want to talk elk hunting a little bit sure. because, you know, that's another thing that you and your son have got to do together. And, um, yeah, you know, I like to teach things, but I like to hear stories as well. But, you know, here at at the Expo, I got to do some seminars. And, right. you know, my first seminar was really about how people 
go into the woods already self-defeated, not really believing. You right, know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when we start talking about helping be, you know, people to be successful, it's like you and Thomas. I imagine every time you guys go into the woods, you go into the woods going, well, I'm just going to have fun, but if I go home without something, I mean, is that the attitude? I mean, how do you guys feel when you guys hit the woods? You know, we're pretty serious. We're, uh-huh. we're pretty confident that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna succeed and kill something. I mean, most times when we go out, that's our attitude. You know, it doesn't always happen, of course. No, you know, it doesn't. It's elk hunting. Yeah, it's right? elk hunting, and you know, typically maybe one of us will will shoot one. You know, mm-hmm. and on a good year, right. You know, on a not such good year, maybe we won't we won't get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But we're always into elk, and and we love it. So mm-hmm. it's still a successful hunt to us because we're enjoying it. Right. But we'd enjoy it a lot more when we get that elk on the ground, you know, and, and it's successful. And does it eat at you when you don't fill a tag? It doesn't eat at me. What eat at me sometimes is when I make a mistake or. You know, I miss an opportunity, right? You know, or God forbid, you wound something, you know, in the right. woods too. That's heartbreaking. Um, but you know, that's more more what haunts me. Like I've got an I've got a elk that I shot. God, gosh, it must be twenty years ago now, mm-hmm. and it still haunts me. You know, it was raining one of those dark nights, but it was like right in the middle of the rut fest. You know, and oh, like we were down in there. 6 30 in the afternoon dark though because of the cloud cover rain but everything screaming and i ended up shooting a probably a 330 to 340 bull right in the crease you know hit him good and he turned broke the arrow off it flipped out you know we started tracking him blood everywhere you know he got up almost at one point i was watching him through the binoculars and he staggered and i thought he was gonna drop over went into some dark timber and then disappear. So we gave him, you know, some time. Right. I felt great about the shot. Uh-huh. So 30 minutes, we're up there looking, you know, good blood all the way up to the dark timber. He gets into the dark timber, and we can't figure out what direction he went. You know, we looked and looked, circled. We were in there for days looking for that elk, and I never could find the elk. It so, just was one so of those blood things. trail dried up? It just, yeah, we it just disappeared. And it wasn't like, it was transitioning from like Aspen's to just a patch of dark timber okay so it wasn't like this vast amount of dark timber right right so he had to come out of the dark timber somewhere Mm -hmm. and we couldn't locate it i went back up there a week later looking for him found bear tracks on what i could still see blood trail that's the one that haunts me in my career of all the elk so like i i really i kind of if you don't mind one digging into a little bit because i'm always talking to people about shot placement right right you know, because really, so what I coach is, and the things that I coach are not necessarily just to kill an animal, the the spots that are going to kill an animal. I coach to shoot an animal to help recovery. Right. 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 So I really coach two holes and I prep for that because a lot of us, especially deer hunters, right, are taught, you know, that, uh, that golden triangle to pop in that golden triangle. And, and that's. A, an extremely lethal shot, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I still, by even hitting one in the heart, I've had an elk go over 400 yards, sure. man. 
and and it can be in a thick area and if you lose blood because what happens is when you shoot sometimes and you don't get a pass on that arrow sticking out and especially if it's behind that shoulder right that animal runs shears that arrow and now it's bleeding internally yep. and now there's no blood exactly. and stuff like that and it's going to die right it's absolutely oh yeah die. yeah with yeah. a shot like that absolutely yeah so on that bull there what was your aiming spot, and where did you end up hitting it? So normally I wouldn't push the crease because right. I don't like doing that. You know, you know, I'd I'd go a little further back than the crease. You know, midway up, try to punch them through both lungs. Absolutely good. And yeah. and I did veer to the right a little bit, but still didn't hit the blade. Just went right into the crease. Good penetration. Uh huh. And you know, came up short that day. But you're right. You know, I would have rather seen that arrow three or four inches back yeah from there you know? yeah so did it punch all the way through did you get two no holes on i it? don't think i did I, yeah. I think i only got one lung and because i got half i the half the arrow broke off and i got that okay. piece of the arrow so half of the arrow was still in him but so you didn't hit the shoulder blade on the onside maybe on the back side on I the back side the and stuck yeah. there right yeah yeah and, which would have caused him like you said to bleed internally and so the other thing is is the other thing that helps them it doesn't really help them to live, but to go farther is when you make that shot, it hits on the other side. That arrow's still in there, and, the, you know, skin's tied around it, so we're not deflating that animal, right? Right. So if, if you, even if you got both lungs, we don't have the total collapse. We got the bleeding that's happening in sure. there, but they can still go, man. And now they're bleeding internally again. Yeah. Right? So, I, yeah. One I, of the other things, too, that I saw one time, which was kind of an amazing thing to see as my buddy, this was a kind of a funny story because my brother was hunting with me and he was over to my right. My buddy was over to the left and we were calling this bull in and he comes in on my brother's side and my brother was just a terrible shot, you know, so <laughs> he shoots and hits the elk in the hey, upper Does he listen lake. to the podcast? No, <laughs> I don't think he does. He lives in Florida now, but <laughs> okay. the arrow hit him above the knee of the elk and it just went through oh, kind no. of the meat part of his leg. Yeah. Well, the bull spun around and took off running and I bugled right after my brother shot. So he took off running and then I bugled and cow called and he stopped and he turned back and he looked. So I did a few more cow calls and he, and he goes over to my left and he walks 15 yards in front of my buddy who's on the left side of me. <laughs> and he shoots it like again, like right in the crease. Boom, goes right through it. Yeah. Well, the bull runs a little ways, I'd say about 40 yards, and stops on this hill. And he just stands there. And he's standing there for about 15 minutes. And then he just slowly walks over the hill. So I told my buddy, I go, well, where do you think you hit him? He goes, I hit him right in the crease. And arrow went right through him. You know, we found the arrow and everything. Oh, we it did waited. Pass yeah, passed through yeah. arrow. Mm -hmm. So we go up there, and the elk's not there. And, you know, I expect to find him dead right on the other side of the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's no blood. So we start working our way. You know, we did a grid. So we, we spread out. We started going mm -hmm. downhill because we figured the bull would go downhill. By now, we're an hour into this thing, and we get about halfway down this hill. That's waiting, you know, the 30 minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. We get about halfway down the hill, and I see the bull. And he's standing in front of me in dark timber, not moving. His head's down, you know, So, but he's standing on his feet. Mm -hmm. So I pull back my bow, and I'm trying to get a lane. You know, I didn't want to spook him. And I end up shooting and hitting the uh, branch and making some noise. And the bull just turns and runs downhill. And then I hear a big crash. So at that point, I walked down to where he was standing, and there was a little blood. But then as I started going down the hill, there was just 
a floodgate of blood everywhere down the hill. And I missed the bull. So my thought was it must have somehow, because he didn't run hard right away right. and he stood there, right. the blood kind of stayed in stayed in and clotted mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. and it wasn't coming out, mm-hmm. which allowed him to live a little longer. But mm-hmm. we took pictures of the in and out of that arrow and we were just in awe that that bull lived that long. That long, right. You know, so they're a tough animal. Man. Yeah, he probably did, didn't do enough. Did he you said that he just walked he off and over. He was pretty much walking, yeah, yeah just so, real slow and like. So that's the difference. Timidly. He didn't. He didn't blow it out like right. a lot of times. You'll see that. That'll help a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. yeah, it'll like blow up and yeah, we don't go through all the gruesome details, but yeah. it, it helps sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. No, that's a, what a story that <laughs> yeah. is. Sapo luck, right there. Yeah, it, it was good. We found him. Everything was good on that. Yeah, one, that's but, awesome. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah, it, and the other thing, you know, we talk about, like, the attitude, and it's cool. We got to talk about, like, shot placement right there because I'm with you, dude. So yeah. I, I'm, like, mid-body, about three, four inches behind the crease. Yeah. Pop it through both lungs. You know, that's if you have perfectly broad. So there's one thing I tell people, too, and and we forget. We take things for granted that people understand these things. But, like, I tell people, once you realize that you're going to shoot this animal, don't be looking at the head and the horns. Right. Look at the legs to determine how that animal's standing. Like if if both front legs look like one leg, you definitely got a broadside shot, right? Yeah. You know, and if you look at it and it doesn't, there's 12, 13 inches b- between the front leg and the back legs further back. Now you got a quartering away animal, and you don't want to aim for that onside leg, man. You right. want to aim for that offside leg. So yeah. mid body go up if and that way you're going to ensure you get two lungs because. You know, I see guys that shoot 3D tournaments, and they're used to aiming same spot, same spot, same spot. You know, and then you got an animal that's quartering away, and they shoot that onside, and they end up getting one lung and blowing through the chest where, you know, now that animal could go for weeks. Sure, yeah, right? it's got a full lung, lung usage, yeah. I mean, absolutely, yep. Yeah, so that whole shot placement thing, that's that's an important thing on that. Now, the other thing that I talked about, and, and I think the biggest, Tom, and – is that I, I asked people in the audience, I was like, you know, how many of you are archery elk hunters? Well, we had just about everybody raise their hand in there. And then I said, how many of you plan on punching your tag this year? Again, and just about everybody raised their hand in there. And then I asked a question. I was like, how many of you are just okay callers? And I think I had like three or four or five people in the audience out of all of these people that raised their hand. First of all, only three or four or five raised their hand that they were just okay callers. And then when I went up to like, how okay, how many are good callers? I think I had like one hand, right. you know, on that. Right. So, so basically the numbers of people that planned on getting an elk during archery season, that was probably about maybe seven ten percent of them considered themselves even an okay caller right right you know yeah 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 i see it all the time at the booth at these shows too you know you guys guys come up to the booth and they're looking at calls and you're like oh are you an elk caller well i try you know yeah it's always kind of like that you know well i'm not very good or or whatever yeah so i i see that throughout the show too yeah so what you know when you have somebody that says I'm an elk hunter and they come up and they say, well, I'm I'm trying and I'm not very good. Right. And 
In your mind, what happens between those ears? You know, at that point, I'm thinking about how can I help him succeed? You know, mm -hmm. how can I get him on course? And I've, I've got some uh, CD and some class stuff that I do as well. And I try to help them with that, you know. If they if they're really like serious about it and they're like, I want to, you know, I'm really having trouble with my bugle or my grunt. I'll try to work with them a little bit right there. Even, yeah. you know, if yeah, they're willing awesome. to, to mm -hmm. do it, you know, and I've had guys ask me, well, how do I get that deeper grunt, you know, or things like specific things. I love working with people like that because yeah. I can help them. You know, right I, I, I can help them right then. And it's so cool seeing the light bulb go on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But most of the time, you know, honestly. Too, it's about selling product. So, you know, I'm trying to mm -hmm. sell them my instructional DV CD, which is going to really help them. Yep. And then a kit that has the right calls in it for them and the grunt tube and, and everything. And well, you wouldn't be making those products if you didn't think it helped people be successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Yep. So yep. It, it's funny because I have people, I, you know, I have my grunt tube in our calls here. And, and really, I'm trying to sell people success. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know? This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Dakova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. And, and to get that success, you got to work for it. You know, even Colin. Wait, 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 like, wait. I, I want you to say that again because I don't think they heard you in the back row. Yeah, I'm saying you got to work for it. You can't buy this kit. And then, you know, put the reed in your mouth a couple of times and expect to be a world champion caller. Right. You know, you got to put some effort in. You got to do it every day. Drive, use that call in your car back and forth on your commute every single day. That's how we got good at it. You know, it comes naturally to some people. But if you want to get really good at it and sound realistic and sound, you know, take pride in the calling, you got to work at it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people aren't willing to work at it. Yeah. You know, and and look, they want that easy call. Give me that easy call that yeah. I can just blow on it. I, I, I always hear this. What's the one call I need? Right. Right. You know, yep. what's the one call I need? And yeah, it, there is no silver bullet. Elk hunting is dynamic. Um, let's see. You're a world champion caller. 
your son's a world champion caller, your daughter's a world champion caller. So I imagine when you go out in the woods, you know exactly what to do every time, and they never, <laughs> you know, they never teach you a lesson. Yeah, they never... I, I learn lessons still every time I go into the woods, Joe. And you know that, too. I mean, no matter, you know, I've been hunting elk since 1986, so I don't know how many years that is. It's a lot of years. It's, but... it's going to be your 42nd season. Yeah, I think yeah. You, and about... I've probably killed 35 elk, you know, yeah. so I've had pretty successful seasons, uh -huh. but there isn't one season that went by that I didn't learn something, you know. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And you know, not every elk's the same. I mean, you know, you can't you can't have a specific uh, a specific I don't know routine that you do that's going to work every time. Right. Because every elk is different. Every elk hears something different, or maybe isn't in the mood today, or yeah. you know, they're all different. So there's no magical. You, you know, it's thing. funny because I can remember one year. It's like it seems like you hit something that's pushing their buttons that season, right? Yep. I can remember one year the lost cow call, just like being aces, you know? Yeah. And you come out the following year like, oh, it was aces last year. And so you do that and it's like, oh, it's not so much of an ace right now. Right. 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 But, you know, I, it, it's interesting because when we started hunting, like I'm trying to remember I when mine, I think my first elk hunt probably was like around 84 or right uh -huh. around there, 83, right about the same time. And back in the 80s, you know, I, I think you could have probably used the same call every time, yep, yep. right? And and it, it, it was easier. We were lucky. We were lucky to have lived the, through the 80s the front to end. see how the elk reacted to a call because yeah. it's a lot different today. <laughs> yeah. So really today you've got to have more tools in the toolbox. you got to have a little deeper knowledge. You, you can't be the same old rodeo. So yep. I think today I think it's just more about more of a skill set because you know it was kind of like you know being able to go out in the 80s and go hey and they're yeah. like yeah here we are yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah those were the good old days for sure <laughs> yeah so I, I i think i think that's another reason we are still learning lessons because as it's going some things are getting a little more difficult yeah they're adjusting the, the elk are even adjusting and yeah. you know yeah you know like you know decoys i mean decoys is another thing you know yep. that i've learned that when an elk's coming in it wants validation absolutely so when it sees a decoy it gets what i like to call a calming effect yep. all of a sudden its ears its whole posture changes it relaxes a little bit more it sees what it's hearing right and it, it's a game changer you know for me that's been probably the biggest game changer over the last 10 years or so so for me, it was that decoy. Same here. Like I started using, like I can remember using the Montana um, in certain situations because, you know, uh, it was, but it was cumbersome to like set up. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And uh, and a little heavy with the poles. and Yeah. Yeah. And it I got still to, use it, but it, yeah. Yeah. It got to the point I wouldn't carry the poles. I'd just use it for a pop out with a sure. partner. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and. Here's an interesting effect with that is you think that they have to see the whole critter, but it's always better if they only see part of that decoy sometimes. Right. Because right? there was a headless decoy that came out, yep. that first headless decoy. Yeah. And I would string that between trees and stuff when it yep. first came out. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And now um, I've been using that ultimate predator decoy. Right. Right. That, that mounts on my bow. Yeah. That attaches to the bow. Yeah. Game changer. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, so I can you remember one year the guys teased me about this because um, 
you know, I, I always shot instinctive, compound instinctive, no sights, right? Uh, but was a very good shot. I used to shoot competitively, you know, instinctive. Right. So um, I was proud of my shooting ability. But so I have that predator decoy and I broke my own rule in that I tell everybody always practice like you play. Right. Right. You know, you should be shooting. Neil, sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Neil, yeah. sit down with if you're hunting in a pack, if you're wearing a face mask, right. if you're wearing gloves, Absolutely. Yeah. all that stuff I when agree. you're doing it, eliminate the failure points. Right. And so I had gotten this ultimate predator decoy and it was going to be something I was going to take on the hunt. Wasn't sure if I was going to use it. I found a way just uh, because I want my decoy. I don't want it where I have to take my pack off. And so I found a way to just put it right between my pack and my back where I could reach and pull sure. it out, right? quickly, yeah. Yeah, and I had everything ready for it. But, you know, the one thing I didn't do, Tom, is I didn't practice with it on my bow. Oh, yeah. 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 I was like, how's that going to affect my shooting? I'm good, right? So I end up. I got Chav and Gilbert with me, and we're trying to move in on, on make a move on an elk that's been answering. And as we get up to go, well, we've got the sun at our back, the wind in our face, perfect situation. Sure. And as we get up, I don't notice five rags coming in from the right. And when they come, I, they it blows them. They don't. They see movement. They're not sure what it is. They don't smell anything. They start to run off. I cow call. They stop. They're about 80-something yards out there. And I'm like, oh, heck, man. You know, perfect chance to try this thing. So, you know, I, I kind of bring it, pop it out on the ground. You know, I have the Velcro, pop it on, yep. get it up. And I get it up, and I do a little cow call, and I twitch the ear, right? Oh, yeah. Here they come. Mo, Larry, Curly, friend, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so they come into me. And they come 20 yards right up to this decoy. And again, I hadn't practiced with it. And I have it sitting on the ground. So as I go to draw, I do it too quick. And I raise that decoy up too quick. And just that movement made them flare a little bit. They didn't right. just like, well, what the heck is... So they flare and they're at 30 yards. Well, now the bull that I'm going to shoot has a, an aspen just in front of the kill zone to the left. I draw back. And I can draw without them seeing it because I'm behind the decoy. Right. It's perfect. I draw back. And as I look through, the one thing I didn't plan on and I didn't have a clue was happening is that that sight window, when you're instinctive and you look down there, you have two images of an arrow. One for the right eye because I shoot with both eyes open. Okay. One with the right eye, one with the left eye. Well, the, the, the one that I should have shot with on the, on the left-hand side you know, for my right arrow was in the pattern of the elk with the open window being the other vision. Right, right. right? So when I use that, that actually took my arrow shooting to the left. Okay. I let go and just dead center the aspen. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and what was so funny is this is 30 yards, which is like a cakewalk for me. Gilbert and... And Chav turned around and looked at me like, what, what happened? the heck? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the great thing about the decoy. That bull runs out to 50 yards. I cow call. He stops and turns broadside again wow. at 50 yards. At that point, I realized what I did wrong. Yeah. Made the adjustment, and, and I just buried it. it. It didn't go 20 yards and fell. Nice. But think about that. Made it flare, hit a tree shoot it on the third shot 
yeah. doesn't happen without the decoy. Right, absolutely. Yep. You know, yep. so so yeah, I, I agree with you. The decoys, <laughs> decoys have absolutely changed the game like that. They have, and yeah. Ha have you tried that Ultimate Predator? I haven't, and I'm friends with uh, Danny. Danny with mm -hmm. Danny, the owner. Him and I always seem like we camp next to each other at the Colorado <laughs> Bowhunters Jamboree. So <laughs> we've had some good campfire nights out there but i need to get me one of those for yeah. my bow yeah i even use it pig hunting i got the pig one from oh, nice. so, yeah that's a lot of fun and guys using the antelope have had incredible yeah antelope success. decoy great yeah that's a great thing for antelope for sure yeah it's awesome man so going back to the the, the calling part of it there yeah you know that <laughs> excuse me needing tons of practice i really really think Ooh. that um in when I talk to people, I'm telling them, you don't have to be a Tom Diesley. You don't have to be a world champion caller. But if you add to that repertoire, and what most people don't realize is that there are things that you can do that doesn't even have to happen with the read. If you have a good cow call and, and you're able to change the length, the volume, the tone. So if you're doing right. chirps, muse, different directions, different lengths, and yep. add some reality. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. I, uh, one of the things I teach all the time in my instruction is a, a cow party. Right. You know, try to find ways to change the tone of your muse and your chirps and, and really try to sound like your five, six cows. Exactly. And it's really worked for me a lot over the years. Not every time, sure. every year, but I've had more success with that than anything else. Yeah. I mean, it's it just always you know 70 80 percent of the time it works for me it's good there's going to be uh an elk an elk we might not know if it's going to be a spike a bull right. other cow yeah. or something yep. but an elk's going to react to that exactly and yeah. they don't always like scream and bugle but mm -hmm. a lot of times they run in quiet mm -hmm. sometimes you mm -hmm. know and surprise me and but i've killed a lot of elk off of that cow party thing it's a it's a great way so one thing like i, I just gave a pro tip for this thing here too and and for the exact same thing when you're doing a cow party i just tell people to think about and it's they're almost the same definition sometimes but rhythm cadence and character in other words when when i'm talking about rhythm you know it's like even like when i'm trying to sound like multiple bulls like if i want to sound like there's a hot cow sure you do that by being multiple bulls well that rhythm would be like how much of a certain tone on the front to what that middle sounds like in length to how you drop off. There's like a rhythm to that. Right. And you can change that rhythm up so that it's not the same bowl. Exactly. You know, yep. you, you, yep. can, you can hit different pitches so it's not the same bowl. You can do different emotions so it's not the same bowl, right? Exactly, yeah. So same thing so that in the, where that cadence is like when people have a hoochie mama, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, instead same, of, yeah. yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, same thing, yeah. To sound like that different exactly. group of cows, right? Exactly, yeah. I think more pressure on the reed, a little mm -hmm. higher note, maybe a lost calf over here. You know, just something to create that illusion of five or six cows. And, and another trick I have, you know, I get that bull bugling. I don't bugle back at him. I just get more excited with those cows. Those cows don't have a bull with them. Exactly. All of a sudden, man, they're on it. They're answering that bull right away, only with more excitement, you know, quicker cow calls, louder cow calls, reaching out to that bull, answering him. And then pretty soon the bull bugles again. He's even closer. 
he knows. He's he's thinking to himself, hey, there's no bull up there. I got to get my butt up there quick, and I'm going to get me six or seven cows without a fight. So and and are I, you telling me that when you have a bull respond, you cow, you don't scream at him with a bull call? Right. Exactly. <laughs> now I'm being I'm being sarcastic, right? <laughs> exactly. But how many people do that, right? Uh, yeah. So they get a bull that bugles. They got the bull to answer because of the cow calls, and then they go and scream at it. Right. 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 Yep. And I always tell people start off with the cow. You know, start off with the cow party because, like, most of the time I'm going into an area that I know well, mm-hmm. and I know there's elk in that area. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to set up, put my decoy out, start out with that cow party. And then if I don't get an answer, right, I'll, I'll keep doing the cow party for about 30 minutes. So I don't get an answer. Then I'll throw some locating bugles out and do the cow party behind the locating bugles. But the reason I don't like to just locate, do a locating bugle right away is I don't know what's a hundred yards away from me. If right. I got a bull and seven cows sitting there and I do a locating bugle, he's yeah. liable to just take his cows and leave. And gone, gone deep. You know, right. so that's why I like just starting out with that cow party. Yeah, yeah. And don't and what, tell anybody about that because no, that, okay, that's I'll, my, just, my secret. But just between you and me. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's, I've always been cow oriented too. And the thing about the cow party, the thing about the cow party that's different than just a single cow is when you had those elk that are over there. And, and it can be, it's, it doesn't have to be a full party. It can be just two or three cows, sure. right? Yeah. But when you have that single cow that gives out, and if you sound like a mature cow or something like that, and there is some cows, it doesn't have to be the bull that pushes them away. The cow, the lead That's cow true. can actually yeah. push them Absolutely. away, right? Absolutely, yeah. So I think when they hear They're multiple cows. They're usually smarter than, we, than the bulls are anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> Way smarter, man. Way smarter. Yeah. So I think you and I use that same philosophy, and th- but that's that's the interesting part, too. I, I wanted to ask you this, though. When I, that's what hit me a second ago. When you talk about your cow party, do you ever use, like, your tube, so mouth on, mouth off, different oh, yeah. directions to uh, make absolutely. it sound like it's more cows in different places? Yep, yep. And I have this little grunt tube that I like carrying with me. It's mm-hmm. just a little pack tube that, I, that we make. Uh-huh. And I usually break that out when I cow call because uh-huh. it, it it doesn't have a finished end, so it's more of like a kind of a loudspeaker almost. Right. And, man, I can really get a cow call out to an elk, a bull maybe, that's bugling 150 yards away. Mm-hmm. But what I really use it for is what you were talking about. I change the tone with the, with the tube. Mm-hmm. Call in and out of the tube. Sounds like different another directions. two or three elk. Different directions. Yeah. One quiet, one louder. You know, yeah. just anything I can do to change that tone. Yeah. It changes the distance, the illusion yep. of distance, yep. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. that. But that's one of my secrets. I shared it with you. Don't tell anybody. Okay. You okay. got it, man. It's just between <laughs> us. <laughs> but I think the main thing is, 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 is people, if they learn that, if they practice those things, you know, and, and if you can do a basic cow call, if you can do a basic bugle, then just by adding simple things like, eh, with yep, your voice, yep. you can do any doggone call there is, right? And I always tell people, you know, some of the worst bugles I ever heard came from bulls. Right. So you don't really have to be a professional caller or, you know, a, a world champion to call an elk in. So know? let me ask you about and I And I, and I, I snuck into your uh, 
seminar seminar yesterday and i heard you up on stage say say you know even if you're not very good call use it use it anyway because elk are different every one of them's different and they don't all sound that good and i am a firm believer in that joe i mean you and i see eye to eye on that i would be calling i mean because it works too many people limit themselves because they don't think the tool they have is good enough. Right. Well, sometimes they're afraid they're yeah. going to scare them or You're something. Yeah. You, but sometimes you got to take that that Phillips screwdriver. It doesn't quite fit it, and you got to just use it, man. Exactly. You know what I yep. mean? Yeah. I, I totally believe that if you're going to increase opportunities, you're going to have to bring animals to you. And the only way you can do that is through calling. Right. Yep. But understand, y'all that are that are listening to me and Tom, there are calls that you can use, such as raking, as rolling rocks, as huffs, just simple voice stuff that you can do out there as well. Right. Yeah. You know, that's real effective. Yeah. It's super effective. Like, you know, like you were talking about. Let's say you had that bull that's coming into your cow party there, right? Yeah. Well, there could be a point where that bull stops and starts demanding for that cow to come to him. Right, right. So Holds when up, you, yep. What do you do in that situation? That bull's just staying out there and demanding. That's when a lot of times, you know, I might try to close the distance a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's a hard call to make because that's you can make a mistake doing that too if he's still coming. But mm-hmm. if you're pretty sure he's hung up there, a lot of times I'll close the distance a little bit maybe start raking on a tree doing some of that kind of stuff see if i can bring him in that way if that still doesn't work i'm typically hunting with at least one person i don't hunt alone very Uh often Uh then i might stay back you know keep that communication line open Mm -hmm. and have my buddy or my son sneak down in there try to get within a circle and then challenge him you know one small little bugle Mm -hmm. but you got to be ready because Mm -hmm. if you're within that you know 60 yard area from him and his cows right he doesn't have time to move those cows so he's right. going to come at you right and that, so, that's kind of what we'll do a lot of so times do you think a, that, that bull with that's coming into your cow party can generally is it him coming into your cows or is it his cows coming to join that group i'm always interested on the thought on that you know it's hard to say but i think that that he's he's the one that that's probably wanting to come and pick up some more cows for right. his harem, and he's coming in. I think the cows tend to sometimes be the deterrent. Like he doesn't want to leave them. Right. So if he can't get them to move, that's what makes him hold up. Like, okay, gotcha. He doesn't want to leave with his cows, but he but he stays there. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's not moving, but he's answering them. Mm-hmm. You know, so right. that's why a lot of times we'll move in instead of waiting. Right. And so it becomes. What if you have a bull that, and generally if they hang up, you think they have cows, but there's a chance that that's a bull that's hanging up just demanding for the cows to come to them anyway, not right, wanting to right, come yeah, over, right? Yeah. So, you know, for me, when I hear that, a lot of times, one thing that I try to do is introduce a bull sound, like when you said raking, right? Yeah. To me, that's a great bull sound to introduce because now they now that bull that's saying come over here that doesn't understand why they're not now knows that there's another bull in the mix but he doesn't know how big it is right and you know you've been quiet up to that point Mm -hmm. with your bugling so it's a good introduction way to introduce the bull into that scenario instead of just all of a sudden you know you've been working this group for 45 minutes and the bull hasn't gone off and then all of a sudden he goes off you know at least this way Maybe he's a timid bull, and now he's just raking, and he's getting worked up, you know. And then 
then maybe you can do a copycat sequence with the bull. You know, if if he bugles at the raking, right? Maybe bugle back him, sound a little smaller or something, and, and try to copycat him. I've gotten him mad that way, and had him come in as well. No, that total sense. Now, one thing that I I really want to get out in this before we get out of here is, uh, I've heard you do a lip ball bugle. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, and. Dude, you are phenomenal, man. I mean, you sound so good. And so I imagine you use that just about every set when you're out there elk hunting out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've watched a lot of podcasts and a lot of things with, like, Corey Jacobson and some of those guys. And, you know, they have high success rates. They're running through the woods and doing stuff. And Corey's doing lip balls a lot, and, and, and he succeeds with it. But yeah, for yeah. me, um, I'm, I'm more – laid back than that i guess or you know for me a lip ball is a very aggressive very call. aggressive and i've experimented with lip balls and most of the time i find i intimidate bulls when i do lip balls so like if they do one and i want to and i'm copying them i got to be very careful that i don't go overboard with it because mm-hmm. i've scared a lot of elk off that way and I'm not in the kind of shape Corey is. I'm not. I'm not. I can't be running after the bull and chasing him down, man. Right. And getting you know getting him so mad he finally turns and fights me. You know, especially at 60, man. I'm I'm starting to slow down a little bit, and I want those elk to come to me. You know. So, so I use it sparingly, very sparingly. You know, and I I think the I was kind of. Yeah, apologize for being facetious a little bit there, but I think what I was trying to get across is like, I think I killed 36 bulls before I ever used a lip ball. Right. <laughs> right. And, yeah. And I think I've only used it on one, and, and I really didn't do it to get him. I did it just, I was doing like a demonstration just to slow his cows down sure. because we're racing up the mountain trying to beat them, right? Yeah. So I just did it to slow them down. It happened to work. I got in front of them, but... Uh, very seldom and, and it wasn't a lip ball challenge bugle it wasn't like to tell the bull to stay away it was like more of a demo you know demonstration bugle to tell the cows hey i'll come here you know right i'm demonstrating right. for you so yeah. just trying to give them like i know how i can never really match a good mature bull i can't sound that big i don't think anybody can right you know but maybe in that proximity I can get them just to slow down and listen a little bit. So that that was the goal, right, when I did that. But I think so many people can get the same effect just with simple voice inflection. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Because you were telling me that you basically, you you follow the mimic rule too. Yeah, yeah, I do. I I like to mimic what they're doing but try to sound just a little bit smaller. I want to build their confidence. That if they do come down and they want to fight, they're going to win. You mm-hmm. know, I'm a smaller bull than they are. Yeah. So that's always been my philosophy over the years. But, but just between us. Yeah, just between us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tom, this has been awesome, man. Yeah. I've, I've kept you from your booth. And, dude, I always – you just – you're just an incredible human being, man. Not only a, a, a great man, great elk hunter, great elk caller, you're just a great person. And it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, I appreciate you coming over to my seminar. You I was bet. like, man, if Tom's going to come listen, then I, <laughs> I, I must be doing I feel the same way about you, Joe. And, <laughs> and we had some fun times uh, uh, 
judge and calling contest yeah. together and stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot more of that in our future, I think. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you going to be at the Western Hunt Fest? I'm going to try to make at least a couple of those dates. I haven't looked at it seriously yet. I'm still laying mm-hmm. out my whole schedule. We'll be at uh, the Western Hunt Expo in Salt Lake okay. in February. And then we'll be at the Mile High Fish and Hunting Expo at the Gaylord in okay. uh, Colorado in April. I think I might do a Laramie, sh- I mean, uh, the Laramie Sporting Goods Show up in Cheyenne. Right. I think we're going to have a calling contest up there. I'm going to run it and sponsor it and everything. So Very cool, man. Yeah, and uh, so I'm, I'm going to look at the rest of the summer. I've got the Camp for Kids, the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids that I usually help with up at the Bowhunter Jamboree. And we'll have a contest up there in July, too. So it's shaping up to be busy, but I, I definitely want to make time to do at least two of those uh, Western Hunt Fest deals. It's really fun, and yeah. and I get to see you. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> awesome. And I just – there's such – I love the ideas behind their competitions yeah. that they have yep. on that. and. I just want to see those guys succeed, so right, I'm, I'm exactly. looking forward to helping them out. But all right, so for people that don't know as well, Tom, you do do one-on-one uh, coaching, teaching, I do, yep, right? Yep, I do uh, one-on-one calling classes, and um, I do in person. If if you're local in the Denver area or the Northern Colorado area, I do in person. If you're not local, I do Zoom classes and stuff, and. Mm-hmm throw some calls in uh, with the price of the class and everything. So it's been real successful. I've been doing it for years. So, and have everything they need. You have you sell your own line of calls, yep. your own bugle tubes, everything like that. Yeah, mile, yep. mile Every, high note game calls. Everything yep. mile high note game calls. Where can they find you, bud? Uh, we're on uh, milehighnotegamecalls.com. In Colorado, we're at Shields. Uh, Shields carries us. Actually, Shields carries us in most of their uh, elk states. So we're in most of those stores. And then the Jack's uh, Sporting Goods stores in Colorado. And we're in a few. We're up in uh, Casper, Wyoming at the Discount Sporting Goods store up there. Okay. And then uh, quite a few archery shops and stuff. So, And then, of course, our website. You can get anything you want on there. On the website, that's where they'd go if they wanted to purchase and schedule coaching class, with you, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And I tell you what, people can't go wrong, man. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it. it that education pays off, man. Absolutely. It does. I always tell guys, you know, I'll see them, they'll come to the booth, and I'll start talking about my class, you know. Yeah. And they'll be, like, dressed out in Sitka gear, you know, and I'll be like, well, what kind of bow you shoot? No, top-of-the-line Hoyt, you know, and <laughs> you're you're running Sitka gear. And, yeah, and then, they're, and then I'm like, so, you know, they're looking at my, like, m- maybe my $50 kit that has the instruction, yeah, you know, yeah. about calling in yeah. it, you know, and they're hemming and hawing about the $50. I'm like, dude, you got, like, $5,000 in in yeah. gear here. Wouldn't you like to learn how to call for 50 bucks so you can use it? You know, I'm like. So, <laughs> I, 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 here at this expo, we went and bought, you know, I bought three sandwiches, three small salads, <laughs> Three Gatorades, and it cost me 76 bucks, Right. Man. So I'm like, you know. And you yeah. can take that $50 kit home with you, you know. You're yeah. going to lose those sandwiches here Absolutely, pretty quick. Absolutely, man. <laughs> buddy, thanks a you lot. You bet, buddy. Thanks, thanks for, for having me time. on. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely a pleasure. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, y'all that are listening, you just had an incredible treat. I got to spend some time uh, some time with Tom Deasley and uh, – 
just uh, an incredible guy with a lot of information. We have a lot of the same philosophies about things. So it, it, it was fun for me to just to reinforce some of that. But uh, I even picked up a nugget or two, man, because uh, I think when he was doing that, he was actually looking at his Onyx, and I saw a couple of his <laughs> that was my decoy onyx area <laughs> all right guys we'll we'll see you on the next time hope you enjoyed this episode thanks a lot thanks guys when you go out there and the fish are where you think they are any one of these casts could be the bite it's the most exciting fishing that i know right here at hogs cave Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.